Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. Here are your hosts, Dave Adamson and Ashley Bohens. How's it going, everybody? My name is Dave. Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. And did you know that 67 times I have sat across the table from the one and only Ash Bo? This is episode 67. Ash, how are you? I'm good. I can't believe we're on 67 already. That's crazy. That is insane. Although, honestly, Dave, I haven't been here for every episode, so it's not technically 67 times you've sat across from me, but you know, Uh, whatever. Yes, I know. And I've missed a couple as well when I was traveling. So it's not being completely 67, but let's just say for the sake of argument, 67 times we've sat across the table from each other and it just (laughs) keeps getting better. (laughs) Why are you laughing at that? That's not funny. No, it's it's true. I'm glad you got there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've been trying to improve just to keep up with you every single time. It's been fantastic. I love doing this podcast. Uh, One of the other things I love is, I don't know if you saw this, on social media uh, last week or the week before or something, somebody was talking about you and they used the phrase Ashbo. I know. I actually had somebody text me. like say They said, Ashbo, haha, this is amazing. I was like... I will cut you. (laughs) People actually listen to the podcast and they listen to what we say and they talk to you about your singing and we are changing culture. We are being creative and changing culture, aren't we? (laughs) In some ways. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today we are actually going to be talking about leveraging creativity and culture to engage Generation Z and millennials. And so, Ash... Because we wanted to talk about this such a big topic in the church, we wanted to get the real experts in. So you and I are actually just interviewing each other because we are the experts when it comes to (laughs) culture and creativity. I only listen to rock music. You only listen to Disney. Isn't that current culture? Isn't that relevancy? It's not just Disney. I listen to all genres, just not like older music. <laughs> like, like it's I more time to. period than it is genres. Okay, I get it. No, I'm only joking because we did want to get somebody in. So we have brought in our friend and hip-hop recording artist, Joseph Sojourner, to have a conversation with us. And what an incredible conversation it was. It was. It was one of my favorite interviews, actually. Yeah. Because maybe I'm, you know, maybe I like it because it's so specific to student culture right now. Yeah. But the whole time I was like, yes, 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 this is so good. And what, what I loved about it was we, we had him in here to really talk about hip hop and how hip hop is the most popular genre of this generation, but it actually transformed really quickly into this broader conversation about how the church can leverage culture and creativity to engage the younger generation. It moved beyond just hip-hop stuff. Which is scary for most churches. Yeah, it totally is. But here's the great thing. Joseph is able to break this down in a way that is so practical and so engaging. And that's because, I mean, this is what he does. Not only is he a hip-hop recording artist, he's also a communicator. He's passionate about reaching and engaging the next generation of leaders in the church through culture. But he is also one of the creative influencers behind Big Stuff Camps. He's the MC of Catalyst Conference, and he's a keynote speaker for Orange, Growing Leaders, and Youth Pastor Summit. And he also released an EP with songs like Zoom Zoom, Money, Bombs. Yeah. They're they're really good. Yeah. And he's also the guy who does the rap in uh, We Are Royals right. by North Point Inside Out. And, you know, as a special treat, we got him to actually 
break that down during our interview. It's going to be absolutely <laughs> incredible. Hey, just listen for that. You'll, you'll absolutely love it. Hey, before we get into uh, the interview, though, two quick things. One is I'm going to be making a very special announcement at the end of this episode, so make sure you stick around for that. And also, I just want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by the Orange Tour. We're talking Orange Tour already, Aspo. Yes, we are, and it's about to kick off. It is about to kick off. Tell us a little bit about it for those who don't know. Yeah, it's a 17-city nationwide tour for your entire family ministry team, including your volunteers, to attend together, to get aligned, get on the same page, yeah. and have amazing conversations while speaking the same language. Orange Tour 2018 will be an opportunity to reimagine the potential you can have as one voice. And to register, all you need to do is go to www.orangetour.org. I said the WW. I was going to say, do we do W's Well, anymore? it was in the script here, so I went with the WWW, <laughs> which I don't think we have to do anymore. So if you want to register for Orange Tour, just go to orangetour.org, orangetour.org. Hey, let's just throw it straight over to Joseph right now, and then make sure you stick around for that special announcement about this podcast coming up at the end of this interview. Take it away, Sojo. Hey, I'm so glad to be in the Think Orange Bunker with two incredible people. I'm feeling very left out because they went to college together. That's Joseph right. Sojourner, who some of you may already know from uh, some previous interviews that he's done on this podcast. Yeah. Hey, Sojo. What's up? And obviously, Ashley is here as well. Now, you guys literally went to college together. We did, but we weren't friends. We didn't know each Hang other on. back whoa, then. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys weren't friends? <laughs> she made it sound aggressive. I know she totally <laughs> did. That's the athlete in me. Excuse me. <laughs> we, just, we just weren't in the same class. I don't know. So were you same year level? Uh, I think I was a little bit ahead of you. What year did you graduate? Uh, well, uh, 2005 is when I graduated. 2006. So and yeah, and what, was the, what was the college? Uh, I, was in the, I was in the media program, so arts. Okay. And you were in? The education. Okay. And it was what college? I could... Kent State University. Kent. Kent State University, Ohio. That's right. Golden Flashes. What it is. Golden what Flashes? It That's right. <laughs> it's a great day to be a Flash. <laughs> Please don't, don't do Is that. Is this really do how that. it went? Don't. Hey, we, we have you in. Wait, hold on. Okay. You know, okay. <laughs> hold on. Did you know the hip hop artist at Kent State University who used to write the songs about all the athletic teams? I do, rem- I do teams? remember that. I remember we that. We had a Kent State soccer team song oh from him. Oh my gosh, that is Are you exciting. being serious right now? I'm dead serious. You had a hip hop artist write songs. About every team and it was like a warm up song for the teams. That is. We were so cool. That is. I wonder whatever happened to him. Do you, do you remember how it went? <laughs> Come on, give it to us. I actually, you do. If you give me I a can... little time, I might be able to find the drawer. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a good segue because today you're in the bunker, uh, Sojo, because we want to talk about culture and hip hop and yeah. all sorts of things. So I don't know if Ash, you meant to set that up, but you set that up beautifully. Thank you so um, much. Now, Sojo, you are a faith based <laughs> communicator, yep. you're a hip hop artist, and we want to talk a little bit about uh, how the church can engage with culture a little bit more. So yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the hip hop thing and then some practical tips on what churches can do to engage culture a little bit more but i want to kick it off with this mm-hmm. what who is your favorite hip-hop artist oh i would say growing up my favorite hip-hop artist was hands down jay-z mm. uh, and then kanye <laughs> west also those two those two were pretty influential for me now sojo was it jay-z because of his hip-hop talent or because of beyonce oh <laughs> that's such a good question, <laughs> a good question. 
That is a good question. If it's, a, if it's equal, it's fine. No, no, no it's, actually, it's actually lyrical. It's actually lyrical. I appreciate you asking that question. Uh, Beyonce has nothing to do with it. Okay. I, but I love Beyonce. <laughs> but uh, no, he that was. That was my inner Beyonce He gave asking. us about like nine incredible albums that kind of solidified him as like one of my favorites. So yeah. Favorite Jay-Z song? Oh, man. I would say album. Favorite Jay-Z album was Blueprint, that Blueprint album. Okay. And I liked, I liked that and then kind of where he evolved after that. I felt like he got more mature. Oh, no. Nice. And I was, young, I was young, but I mean, I always wanted more out of Jay. I was like the young person. I was like, why wouldn't he talk about these topics? And then, then I felt like he evolved. I feel like at 17, I was already asking him to be what he is today. Ain't that crazy? Okay. 444. I was asking for 444 way back then. Oh, my God. Wow, you're ahead of your time. So, so for all of our listeners who are not familiar with Jay-Z or hip-hop, yeah. music like how would you explain hip-hop music to someone that's who's great, not familiar that's a great question <laughs> to the church folk yeah <laughs> i love it you i would describe folk. it as uh honest uh it could be a little bit raw you have to accept that you're listening to their story in their language their way on their rules and so it's meeting them where they are so buckle up and uh yeah it might be a little bit jarring when you listen to some of the language but if you can get past the language as as a, as a leader i think what you find are these vivid stories that give you such insight in a place that maybe you've never walked or experienced so is hip hop only rap so so hip hop culture no that's good you said that hip hop culture uh, is is a lifestyle it's 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 a way that you walk. It's a way that you talk. It's a way that you dress. It's it's being bold in your art, uh, making sure people hear your voice. Like our voice will be heard. It kind of was birthed out of uh, a people who felt like their voice was being suppressed, and then they said, "We need to figure out a way for us for our voices to be heard." And it and it came through this bold way of dress, this bold way of graffiti art, and this mm. music loud in your face mm. with these lyrics that'll push culture forward as far as conversation. So, rap well simply means rhythm and poetry. So that's really what rap means, and that's where it all started. So that's awesome. Hey, I want to circle back to something you said, and I know that you slipped it in there. It's probably just a, a you didn't even think about it. Come on, but you said something powerful that I think should sum up a lot of what we do from a church point of view. You said it's their story told their way. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that On sentence? Their rules. You, yeah. Oh, okay, so that that for me sums up what churches should be doing: <laughs> listening to people's stories yep. told in their way and, and reflecting that back. Would absolutely. you agree? I, I think that's the beauty of of getting outside of our building and walking with people and beginning to do life with people in in their in their space and being like, "Show me, let me see your story, show me your world." Yeah. Before we invite them into our world and say, "We want to, we want to show you the same way about our world." I mean, I think I'm one of those people who are like, "Hey, be bold about saying the church is a beautiful place. We're proud yeah. about it. We want to show you what our community looks like, what our what our music." sounds like but i do think a lot of times the best thing first step we should do to show that we're willing to invest is to say i want to know more about your world you can then there's something we can learn from your world also yeah that's so good i remember um i don't know how much you know of my story but my whole family is unchurched Mm. and i remember my unchurched mother-in-law coming to north point one day with us and when we talked to her about it afterwards she she said she absolutely love the service and I was thinking she would say because the music was good or because Andy was good but what she said was I felt like uh, they gave me their worldview without disqualifying my worldview that's good. Whoa. That's w- good. would you say Ooh, it, grandma, it, it, that is right? a very nice compliment Come on, grandma. That, North Point right? should post that on her website <laughs> to get her on the but podcast we should, totally should <laughs> but this is what you're talking about right yes, it's absolutely. not about disqualifying somebody else's worldview just because absolutely. it's not presented mm-hmm. in the way maybe the church wants to present. Absolutely. Yep. 
I think that's a, it's a key thing. And I think this generation literally is craving that from the church and saying, can you at least understand our world before we enter your world or you present your world to us? Yeah. So this is one, this is where we want this conversation to go today. Let's go. How can churches better understand the culture of the generation that's growing up? Well, so I think there's a lot of ways. I mean, this generation coming behind us, you mean? You're yeah, talking yeah, about? yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that which is a lot of times is in the hand of uh, middle school pastors, high school pastors, I guess kids, kids ministry. But I feel like it's really going to be much more apparent between middle school, high and college. And yeah. I think a lot of times it's listening, it's learning. I think what makes this generation so challenging, even for me still working and walking with them, is the fact that it changes so fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think technology pushes their world so literally what is relevant today won't even be relavant next year <laughs> or right? next week no and so and so to try and anchor onto it and kind of build strategy on it it's really difficult for us church leaders because we'll say oh this app is relevant or this or this music is relevant and we'll begin to kind of build our program to it and you know it can take us a couple months to get something that's 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 efficient yeah, yeah. And, but by then it's already passed yeah and so I think it is kind of embracing this idea that it's going to be a little bit more messy it's a little bit more Silicon Valley approach of being like before we can get it perfect sometimes we might just need to get out there and, and and jump out there and be able to i think some churches want to do everything perfect and i say mm. when you're dealing with this generation they don't as much expect perfect as much as relevant and where it is connecting with them and then and authentic but but you just picked up on something so good I'll, i think a lot of churches aren't built for messy yeah they're no. built for structured and mm-hmm. clean right mm-hmm. so what do we do about that ah I think you just have to you, you I think it starts with a conversation amongst the team and saying like hey are we willing to unlock from this idea that everything has to be perfect and are we willing to be okay making a mistake now not making a mistake based on theology I think yeah, we yeah, all yeah. know we, we're anchored well on theology but I think when it comes to uh, approach and methodology I think we just have to continue to say hey let's take risks let's get out there let's try different things and see what actually is working and I think that gives you that gives you points with this generation if they yeah. realize that hey they're making efforts and they're not just trying to copy what's being done all around us or they're not just trying to copy everything that they see on Ellen or Jimmy Fallon but they're actually trying to jump beyond that I think that they'll they'll appreciate it and say we just appreciate the creativity or the approach that's happening mm-hmm. from this program or church. But I think a lot of times we're scared. <laughs> Man, I could not agree with you anymore, but unfortunately we've built this church culture that is based on fear of being irrelevant. Yeah. And and we you called out like we 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 copy Alan and we copy Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Are they relevant? They are relevant, and, and we have to ask ourselves, why are they relevant? Yeah, mm-hmm. and who are they relevant to? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and who are they relevant to? And I think, and, I'm not, and I don't want to go down that road and begin to, because <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of respect for them and their creative teams, but yeah, why are they relevant, and who are they relevant to, and do we need to copy everything from them? I mean, there's there's wonderful things that they do that I'm like, yes, we can take this and, and insert it as a way to connect with people and yeah. have fun, yeah. but I think that they should be used more as inspiration to the church and say, gosh, what can we learn from from what they're doing? I think our job is to literally look beyond just our walls and say, what's working with people being able to connect with other people? Yeah, yeah. I just think that we need to stop copying. I agree. Period. <laughs> Come right? on, let's go. I think we need to stop copying. I think we <laughs> we. I've sat in too many creative meetings in churches yep. where all it is is who's got the best YouTube video that we can copy and apply to our sixty-five minute service. One hundred percent. Where it's hey, I saw this thing on Ellen. I saw this thing on Jimmy Fallon. Whatever mm-hmm. it might be. When are we going to start becoming original? When are we going to start coming up with our own stuff that mm-hmm. speaks from our own reality? Like you said, our story told our way yes right when is we believe that god created us to create and Mm. so if we truly begin to embrace that and believe that then we should be the boldest when it comes to saying we're going to 
march out with original ideas, original content, and be fearless. And some of them are going to work, some of them are not going to work, but we're going to continue to do that because we know how God created us. You know, there's a whole bunch of companies that have think tanks set up, right? These forward-thinking companies like Google and and Apple and, and those sorts of things, they have literally teams that they their do. job is just to think stuff up. Just to dream. Even Chick-fil-A has this now. They, they have the, the hatchery, I think they call it, where it's just come up with brand new stuff. How valuable do you think it would be for a church to set aside a team that is designed specifically, set up specifically just to dream stuff up? That's that's To me, that's the dream church. Dude. <laughs> that would be, to me, I, I think that that is what more churches uh, are beginning to ask the questions of. I yep. will say that. I'm not going to bash the church. I think a lot of churches are beginning to say, hey, we need to carve out space to allow our creative thinkers to have have time to imagine yep. new frontiers, new roads for this church to be able to connect with the community through our messaging. So yeah. I'm excited to see that, and I hope more churches begin to say, yes, we need teams. To maybe, maybe this needs to be positions mm. and carved out in our calendars to say, put the creative minds together in one room, take them off campus and allow them to dream up some new ideas for this church. And and creative doesn't necessarily mean the arty people. It doesn't necessarily mean the music people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know a lot of analytical people who are so creative in the way that they take the analytics and apply it to a new situation. So So I don't think it has to look like a certain thing, I agree. I think a lot of people think of creativity in a box as far as the artsy people who can paint or who who can do music. And I'm like, that is not what create. I no. think every single person has creativity in how they do their job. Yeah. And so absolutely taking the taking the logistics analytical people together and saying, hey, how can we reimagine to be more efficient in this? Let's find some creative avenues yeah. to figuring that out in a new way. I think that's 100% creativity at its finest. I mean, when you go to Disney World, to get to Disney World, I mean, how they put you on those boats and how they put you, other people walk there. I mean, this is a creative process to get you just to the front gate. Yeah. So I was blown away just by, by how they handle massive amounts of people yeah. which someone had to get in the room and say how can we reimagine it? well let's make a, a ferry <laughs> could you imagine a time sojo when church leaders aren't oh, people in general aren't going to disneyland for creative inspiration aren't going mm. to apple for oh, creative man. inspiration Come but on. they're going to the local church oh, for creative inspiration listen you're you're speaking my love language right now i don't even know what to say it's my love language so well. okay so from a church leader's perspective who's listening who maybe haven't had this conversation yet mm-hmm. with their church staff uh, what would you say is is maybe the biggest obstacle for churches or what holds churches back from doing this mm. Well, I think so. When I when I approach churches that have not had that conversation, I'm more inquisitive than I am with answers because the first thing they they know those answers typically. So I think to ask yourself, okay, what's making me insecure about even thinking down this road? Yeah. Uh, what's making it difficult for me to have these conversations? I mean, it could be senior staff. Uh, it could be just church history, and it's like it's just too big of a boat to turn because I feel like I'm coming in. Some churches have such a long history; it's almost overwhelming to imagine mm. a new frontier. And so I think really asking yourself. Hey, what what makes me insecure about this? Do I feel supported if I want to begin to imagine these new frontiers? And do I think I can do it? Mm-hmm. And the, sometimes they just there's insecurity in us that we say I can't do this alone. And I say that's a real thought. I mean, you might have to go out and find some people that do not work at your church who you can just volunteer meet with once or twice a month to say, hey, I don't have enough imagination margin in my schedule to imagine new frontiers, but I want to meet with you. Maybe some of them are students, maybe some of them are college, maybe some of them are adults, but I'm going to meet in this coffee shop with you guys because I need help. And so determining what it is that might be making you insecure, I think is a huge huge tool. So what about for the church that is not intergenerational anymore? Like all the young people are gone. Mm -hmm. Like what challenge would you give them to be relevant to culture? Mm. 
Oh. So as in, and, and they're wanting to connect again with young people. Yeah, like if they want to to have a new vision and they want the young people to come back or they want the young adults to come back, but they're gone. So do they create a service? I mean, the best thing I can say is put young people at your table as you're planning your church service. Even I if think they don't attend your church. Even if they don't attend your church. I think when you're looking at churches that have lost their uh, intergenerational pull and it's just simply maybe on the older end, uh, a lot of times you go to their staff meetings and it's all it's all just a reflection of their sanctuary or sanctuary of their auditorium. And I say, mm. hey, if you want to begin to pull in college age students or, or young you know, millennials, then you're probably going to want to put some of them at your table and begin to listen and just say, hey, as we're kind of mapping out our series and our ideas, what do you guys think of this? And they might attend your church. They might not attend your church, but it has to be a priority to say we want their voice to be within our planning. How much does fear play a role in this where churches are afraid to engage culture? I think it plays in every single. There's not a church I've, I've walked with that does not wrestle with fear. Okay. And I think anytime you're shifting, anytime you're possibly looking at this could affect our bottom line. This could affect mm. our, our attenders who are devoted. They may feel as if we're, their, their voice is not being heard as much anymore. There's loyalty. I just think there's all those things that play into it. And so I think we wrestle with fear. We, if it's a road we have not marched down yet, we don't, we don't want to be the first to do it and look stupid uh, because we are lo- living in a connected generation. So a lot of other churches follow other churches on social media. So we don't want to look foolish to them. I mean, mm. there's so many things that, that literally will hold the church up in, in fear and saying we'll let them go first and then see how they do it and then we'll kind of amend that and go second, third, or fourth. So you think the churches are, are afraid to fail yep. and because of how they will look to other churches mm-hmm. in a, or how it will impact their bottom line? Absolutely. What What is the bottom line of some of these churches you're walking with? Well, literally the bottom line is finances. I mean, they don't want it to affect their bottom line. I mean, when it comes to tithing, a lot of times when you're dealing with a church that's a little bit older and you begin to shift things, it could affect that the tithe dollars. I mean, yeah. and so when... And so a lot of times I'll say, hey, we might want to start with vision first. I mean, that pastor might say, here's some approaches we're going to do in these coming months. We want to we want to begin to change our music. But here's why. Yeah. And I think you do have to cast much vision in front of change. Yeah. Because so, the, the what I'm hearing you say is the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, they're the ones who are essentially paying the bills. Yeah. And so we need to keep them happy. You do. Yeah. And a lot of churches will say they, they we need to keep them happy un, under all and, circumstances. And, and how much of a bottom line is literally? just having butts in the seats uh it's it's a it's a big one <laughs> yeah so we don't want people to leave as we well. don't want people to leave i but, mean that's yeah and i mean that's where we literally are we're, we're building these sundays for people to attend and so it's scary when you think these people may no longer attend can, how can we do this in a way where yes these new people are going to come but we don't lose the people who we care about who've been serving and, and committed to this church for so long it's a 100 relevant tension but let's be honest as well uh, all the research <laughs> indicates they're not attending anyway. Right. Because attendance across the board in, in churches, uh, all the research will tell you is either flatlining or going down. Golly, you're right. So if they're not coming anyway, why are we so afraid? <laughs> I don't know why we are. Because they're, they're, they're accessing our content in different ways now, right? That's, yes. that's what all the research would indicate. That's mm-hmm. what some of the, some of the larger churches are, are, are wrestling with at mm-hmm. the moment is how are people accessing our content? And the reality is the content 
people aren't attending as much. No. They're accessing it through podcasts. They're yes. accessing it through YouTube. They're accessing it, accessing it through uh, on-demand or live streams. So do we need to be more creative in those areas? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a different sort of approach, right? Yes. Uh, I, for example, the NFL says, hey, we're so interested in you watching yep. the, the, the show that really what happens at the stadium is just a staging ground for mm-hmm. the, the viewing audience. Whereas Major League Baseball says, no, we want this to be an experience and they're trying to enhance the experience. Absolutely. So which way should the churches go, in your opinion? I do think, just what you said, I think you, you have to continue to say, hey, we're, we're going to shift things up. I, I, here's, here's the fact I do know. There is not one mature Christian that wants to see the church that they love die. Mm. That, that is the reality that I tell so many leaders to say, hey, believe this to be true. A mature Christian does not want the church that they attend and love to die. And every mature Christian wants to be able to say, this church is relatable to the generation behind me. Yeah. Nobody wants to say, I attend a church that we don't care about the generation coming up. Yeah. So I do think putting that vision out in front of them and saying, hey, now here's what that actually looks like with legs on it. Yeah. And so we're going to have to begin to change some things. And I think it's, uh, we look at like Facebook and, and they make those changes and it's easy for us to be like, well, why did they change this click? I was used to this. And yeah. we like to complain about it, but in the back of all of our minds, we appreciate Facebook and we don't want it to just disappear tomorrow. So we understand they have to continue to change to yeah. evolve. And so we we do it every single day in how we do our grocery shopping and how we do everything else that happens online. But I think churches get so afraid of, well, uh, well, will they leave? And I say, no, we don't leave anything else that's continuing to evolve and change yeah. at rapid pace all throughout our culture and all throughout the world we're walking in. So all we need to do is explain the why behind it. And if you say this is to approach the generation coming behind us, there, there. I don't think there's many mature Christians who are like, "Well, I don't care about them." Yeah, and so, and if they are, that might be a conversation. I won't say should they be in your church, but <laughs> you need to probably have a conversation with them anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think like when you think about having five different generations in a trying That's to true. lead a church, and you know, every generation behind you is a reaction to the generation in front of them, and so that means they have different values. Mm. And I know like the latest research coming out right now about Gen Z, which is anyone that's really 18 and younger is what they're saying, is that they're placing higher value on like education Mm. and financial independence than any other generation before them. Mm -hmm. And I think what I see oftentimes is like the the different generations think something's wrong with the other generation Mm. because they're not valuing the same thing. So like, Mm. I mean, Sojo, we're both millennials, right? Mm -hmm. And how long have people talked about the millennial generation and all the things wrong with our generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think to myself, like, yeah. how about we're just different and it's okay. Like, yeah, okay. we're just valuing something different. And the research that's coming out about Gen Z, it's the same thing. Yeah. And so instead of churches who are maybe led by someone in an older generation, instead of looking at Gen Z saying, oh, this is all the stuff that's wrong with them, we have to teach them how to value something different, mm-hmm. figure out what they value so that it becomes a church that they love and that they're going to lead one day. Yes, and and, and, that, and it's something that's beautiful. And I think that a lot of people think that we're opposed to each other, which is not true because millennials want to get there. Uh, baby boomers and, and Generation X, they're, they are here. So it's like where, where you're at currently is where they want to be. So yes, when you're looking at Generation Z that wants to learn more about finances, learn more about mm. how to manage their life or, or simplify everything so that they can kind of find their purpose, they need people who are further down the road and more wise. So I'm like, this is a yes. beautiful tension that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ash, you just said something so, so profound. We place value on the different generations 
but they're just different. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the but the value goes both ways, right? Yeah. I I hate the way like my kids are Gen Zs, right? I hate the way that people are labeling Gen Zs. I hate the way that people label millennials. But mm-hmm. likewise, I I hate the way that baby boomers get labeled. Yep. Um. And when we look at it from a biblical point of view, I mean, in the current culture, we all value youth, right? right. We all like young people, young people. And I which see it the, wasn't the, always that way. No. In from a biblical point of view, it was the opposite. Yep. People valued the elderly which is how it is in the world yes they wanted they saw elderly people as wise and they wanted more older people we're going to bring older people into our synagogues right (laughs) because they bring wisdom with them but but some what how do we flip that and it's not flipping it that's bad it's the value this is what i love what you said it's the value that we're placing on every generation what if we just said no every generation is different and mm-hmm. valuable, mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. Exactly, that's Every that generation matters. There you go. You yeah. just started a movement right there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> also, in the research, I noticed um, one of the other changes, like specifically with millennial generations and and older, brand loyalty was really important. Mm. Yes. Um, but it was about us going to the brand, and what they're saying now is with Gen Z, it's about the brand showing loyalty to them. It's so and true, and it's completely switched. So the way you're marketing to Gen Z has to be different than the way you've interacted with any other generation. Yeah, well, Gen Z and millennials will say that they expect a brand to engage with them on social media in one hour or they change brands. Great example, right? Hey, Delta, my flight's late. Can I get some free points or whatever? Mm. You're good at those tweets. Free almonds. I'm so good (laughs) at almonds. But if if Delta doesn't reply in 45 minutes, then they're like, I'm out. I'm going to uh, I'm going to Southwest. I'm going to Unite. (laughs) uh, Whoever, right? The the point is, we have to be taking our brand a little bit differently and marketing a little bit differently to a generation that has different expectations. And that's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. My biggest fear, and I would love your input on this. My mm-hmm. biggest fear is that the church is going to become Toys R Us. Oh, you know, we don't boy. shift with the culture enough. So Sheesh. then we've got all these big box stores that are just have to close down and become bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Oh, oh, absolutely. I think when, when and I, lo- I was literally reading about this all as it was happening and I was just thinking, gosh, it's like the man at Walmart said once uh, when they were talking about how Amazon has kind of crept in during the holidays. And he said, we were so busy restructuring our parking lots. We weren't looking at what Amazon Ooh. was doing. Uh, and I think that's what's happening to a lot of our a lot of our buildings. We're so busy trying to perfect our building and the situation of getting people in and out that we're not thinking about maybe this next this next wave and this next era of yes. how can we meet them that's beyond just our building, but actually finding more efficient ways to meet them where they're actually at. That just makes me think of uh, you know a few uh, like a few years <laughs> a few years ago there was a big tension between Blockbuster oh, and yeah, Netflix, Netflix, right? Yeah. Oh, so Blockbuster is like we're gonna hey come in we're gonna make our stores better so that you want to come in while Netflix is going, no, we're just going to send you DVDs. Absolutely. And while we're sending you DVDs, which is crushing it, by the way, mm-hmm. we're looking at this live, uh, this online streaming thing. Yeah. And so now <laughs> up until six months until Blockbuster went bankrupt, they were still trying to improve their buildings yep. six months before they went bankrupt. Exactly. This is what is happening to a lot of our churches unless we start engaging culture a little yes. bit better and embracing that. And, and, and that way to engage them is to get them to our buildings because I do think what we're both saying, what we're all saying is it's not that the building is irrelevant anymore. It's just a way to connect with them to get them to the building needs to be added to this equation. Well, we need to shift our focus. The church has always been building centric. Mm -hmm. Oh, not always, but 
yeah, for at least a hundred years or so, it's been very building centric. Mm-hmm. We have to go back to being people centric. So good. You know, what happens is people will say all the time, hey, the church isn't a building, it's the people. But really, it's the building. It's the building. Because when we make the goal, the bottom line, attendance, mm-hmm. then the building is the church. Absolutely. But if we're going to actually live out this idea that it's not the building, it's the people, then we need to go to where the people are. And here's the interesting thing. Mm. Uh, Harvard Business School did a study recently where they, they interviewed 40,000 shoppers who, who accessed a brand online and in person. But they said if they accessed and had a great experience online with a brand, they were 23% more likely to mm. go to visit the physical store and encourage their friends and family to go to the oh, physical wow. store as well. So this is to your point, right? Yeah. If we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. we have to keep both going in exactly the same way online and offline what happens in that one hour on sunday and what happens in the other 167 hours during the week if we're not engaging with people's lives then we're missing the opportunity for them to invite their friends but if we are they're 23 percent more likely to come that's i think any church would take take those numbers right hey we've got something we can do that will get you 23 percent more people into your doors i mean we would take that but that happens when we don't when we forget about the doors and we start accessing people online social media whatever it might be well said and for this next generation who values authenticity so much like what better time in church like what better yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you don't even have to pretend you're perfect. Yes. Like they, they oh, know so that the world isn't perfect. They yep. know that the world is broken. They know that there's a chance they could be shot at school or that like, they know all of the brokenness. So when you pretend you're not broken, they're not going to connect with you. Oh, there was a, there was, yes, there was this church that did this recently, right? There was a big, I'm not going to name the church, but there was, a, there was a big natural event happening in their town, but they had pre-scheduled so many tweets oh, yeah. that they were completely different disconnected with what was happening in their community. So we do have the opportunity to do that, but we also have the opportunity to screw that up completely. Totally. That's good. Um, I keep telling pastors all the time, using social media will make you more efficient and more effective as a pastor as long as you're genuine. Mm. But what do we keep seeing from churches and what do we keep seeing from, from pastors is we, we keep seeing their perfect lives roll out on social yes. media. Yep. It's time that we stop that. Exactly, because if we're trying to put forward a perfect image the people who walk on our doors feel like they need to be perfect and that is not the way that Christianity works or following Jesus actually works and so we need to begin to teach them what grace literally looks like It's so good. So I feel like we three <laughs> could talk about this oh, forever. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to I want to sort of give some practical things. So so yeah. I want to know what are three practical things that people listening to this podcast who are who are you know punching their dashboard right now as they drive to work going yes I agree I agree but help me help me help me what are three things that you could tell people that are practical okay so when it comes to looking at just hip hop because I think we kind of started with that as far as my perspective hip hop is now the number one genre in the world yeah and here's what's beautiful about that you can no longer say that it's the young people's music mm. uh, because once it becomes number one in the world now we know <laughs> that the adults have taken to it so yeah. just being aware of that kind of shift within, within culture lets you know hey are we now leveraging hip-hop i mean Mm -hmm. is it it's now a legitimate music genre for across the world how are we implementing its culture not just its music but its culture within our programming that's just the first thing uh that's a great thing to know i'll say a number number two when you're working with small groups especially with students i think being able to say hey I want to make sure that my leaders are equipped with what's going on locally in the community. So, hey, here are some events that are happening within uh, the community. So it might be ice skating. It might be basketball leagues. Yeah. 
yeah. it might be movies that are coming out or concerts yeah. that are coming to town. That allows your leaders to feel equipped. So when they're engaging this next generation and you're a dad and you've got, you've got your hands full because you're working as a, as a leader in your job as well as leader in your home and you don't have a chance to keep up with all the things that are happening in, in your town, I think having somebody that says, hey, my job is to literally focus on all the things that are happening around us and make sure that you guys are equipped with that's that information, good. that's good to know. So yeah, making sure they know what's happening locally as well as nationwide. Avengers is coming out in, yeah, in this yeah. month. So that's that's a good thing. That's number two. I think whenever you're talking to somebody, maybe it's at a lunch or maybe they're a new, maybe they're a new attendee or, or they're young or they're old. I think being able to just be casual enough to ask, who are you listening to? And then doing your research enough to say, hey, I'm going to go back and listen to your artist. I've I've learned that when you can reach out to somebody and just say, hey, love this lyric in a song of a person that you listen to, it's this instant, authentic connection you have. Yeah, yeah. Even if, it's, even if I don't love rock music or country music, like when I run into a college student and they say my favorite, my favorite artist is this person, I'll go back, I'll find something about that artist that I can appreciate because immediately you show appreciation to someone that they're listening to and lets them know they've entered my world. They were thinking about me when I wasn't even there the next day enough to go listen to an artist that I told them. And I think it just shows that we're willing to still learn from somebody who's walking in our doors for the first first time. And then I would say just listening to your community. What's the heartbeat of your community? I think so many churches, uh, they're teaching the the right theology but they're not necessarily meeting their community's felt needs. Mm. And this is more when we start steering into race. We don't have to go down this road. But when you're looking at multicultural churches or different cultures coming into your church and maybe you're starting to receive some emails and they're saying, hey, this specific group of people seem like they always want more, then I think being able to sit with that with that group and just say, what are your felt needs? Like, what is it? Because maybe we're teaching mm. this way, but there's something else that we're leaving out. And maybe this group is feeling like all their felt needs are met, but this group is feeling like their felt needs are not being met. And so being yeah. able to have that authentic and real conversation. I'll just give you one more for a bonus. I think social media, uh, especially when you're looking at adults or looking at um, students, uh, what's the message being put forth on social media? If you're not on any platforms and you're and you're leading a small group or you're working within a group, yeah. uh, sometimes what people are putting out there uh, to their community circles within their Facebook pages or Instagram or Twitter might contradict what you're seeing on a Sunday or a Wednesday night. Yeah. And so it's easier to be able to help them if you're saying, hey, well, looking at your posts, it seems as if maybe the message you're putting out is con- contrasting the message that, that you want people to begin to see. So. Dude, that is so good. I asked for three, you gave us five. Um, which is awesome because it's to the point that you just said, right? It's about Mm -hmm. being meeting people where their needs are. Um, And so while we might want three examples, you gave us five because probably we need five. There's a guy named Brian Houston who is the pastor of one of the biggest churches in the world. You may may have heard of them, Sojo, Hillsong. Hillsong. Um, I don't know how much hip hop they play, but they should. Um, He said this one time when when it comes to relevancy. He said this, true relevance is measured by the distance between what you say and what you do. If your actions fail to line up with what you say, preach or believe, then your message is irrelevant. Ooh, come on, Brian. That, that is exactly to the point that Absolutely. you just said, right? We've got to we've got mm. to be meeting people's needs more than anything else. That's where true relevancy comes. Absolutely. That is, yeah. And he and, and that is a church that you can tell is always looking at the next frontier and takes risks consistently. T- totally. There's a thing that, you know, I was reading some stuff about Google and, and Google has figured out all these different things that people search for. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of the things I tell churches when it comes to social media. Google will tell you that from 9 p.m. until about 3 a.m., the deeper you go into the night, the more darker people's searches become. Mm-hmm. They start searching for anxiety, stress, 
suicide mm-hmm. pornography. Yep. What if the churches were posting things on their social media at those times that mm. were addressing the actual needs of people in that moment at that time? What if it was as simple as, hey, are you looking for hope today? Here's a great message on YouTube that you could listen. It doesn't have to be their That's message. so funny. I read that same report and I did not even think of that. And that, that is, is such so a- good. <laughs> See, like, that's so good. I, my mind just like, like I remember reading it and being like, wow, that's so interesting that the longer you search, actually, the more it begins to hurt you. Yes. And, and searching into the night does result in that. And so that's a place that the church can meet people that's, right where they're at. That's, that's one a, of the yeah. things that, you know, at North Point where I work and I do social media there, I try to tell our churches to mm. do that. Mm. So we'll post things at 11 p.m. at night. Hey, are you searching for hope today? And we'll have a link to one of our YouTube videos wow. where Andy specifically talks about a message like that. But what if more churches were doing it? That's where relevance happens, right? That's when we're meeting people's needs. And that is what Brian Houston is saying relevancy Golly. is. In the spirit of uh, quotes from pastors we love. Yes. And speaking of Andy Stanley, he actually said something one time that I, I don't remember if it was like at a Catalyst conference or at Orange Conference. But he said this, and I wrote it down in my notes. It says, let me ask you this. How many songs are written for 40-year-olds? Zero. So while culture markets the heck out of our students, why will we continue to create churches for 40 and 50 year olds and let culture steal the students? Why in the world would you have a program in your church that leads six year olds to pray a prayer to become a Christian and then drive all the 16 year olds away when they turn 16? That's so good. (laughs) That is why I got the the chills reading it. Drop the mic. No, that is really good. Why, why is, why is there no hip hop worship in our churches? So I I do think there are churches that are beginning to try to figure out how to blend the two worlds. Yeah. And and I do think it's just taking time. I literally just was sitting with a church this past weekend and they were saying, you know, their worship leader is trying to kind of study hip hop, bring some hip hop artists in and begin to figure out where it could fit in a Sunday morning. I mean, the reality is it's jarring. I mean, somebody comes out rapping in the middle of your worship set to sinking deep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there might be some members I who mean, are like, wait a minute, this isn't the way I heard it on my album. Yeah. Or it's like they're all dead silent, <laughs> sitting there, no expression on their face, no face, no idea how to engage with no, it. No, I, yeah. I, have, so I have gone out on many Sundays Sunday mornings and began to rap to a dead room and you could tell they don't know what to do and they're like what is this young man doing yeah and and so I do think it it, you have to remain consistent to it sold out to this saying hey we're going to continue to approach blending hip-hop into worship I think there's a frontier down the road where it's it is truly fused into worship and you begin to expect more hip-hop more different genres to be mashed up within within the music it actually reminds me a little bit of how we coach middle school worship leaders because they don't know how necessarily to engage in any kind of worship. So like helping them understand how to engage with music and how to engage with God through it. It's almost like we have to redo that to all of our adults when it comes to how to engage with hip hop music. Which may be good to put middle school teams with adult teams and saying like, what are you doing to teach your students how to have authentic worship? We might need to take some of those methods and bring them to the adults because we're now introducing new forms of music to them. Yeah, that's so good. I know for, for this is this is a, a selfish thing for me to say this, but you know I've got three teenage daughters, yeah. and uh, one of my one of the things that I love the most is when my daughter, my seventeen year old daughter, will walk in from the bus. She'll still have her headphones in, and she's singing "Nothing Ordinary" by a, it's a yeah. North Point song. Come on, and you actually do a rap in that, and yeah. she comes in and she tries to do the rap, <laughs> and she can't. She gets to a certain point where she you're too fast for her. She can't even get through it all. Um, but that is 
is re- that's that's reality. That is reality. That, and and she needs to be hearing that in her church on Sunday, not just listening to it oh, in yeah. her iPod. And it's it's crazy when we do that song, we're going to different kind of places. Like when you come out with that rap and see the young people engage, and a lot of them have learned it now, mm-hmm. yeah. learned all the lyrics, like to see how it ignites a room. It's just something awesome. Yeah, it totally and a lot of times does. it shocks a lot of adults. I mean, we I was in uh, Colorado and we did it and the young people knew it word for word. And I think the adults were so shocked by right. that and being like, oh my goodness, they, they love this addition to this worship. And I'm like, yeah, this is, I think that there's, there is a beautiful fusion that's happening with not just hip hop, but other genres meeting worship and saying we're, and you hear that in a lot of Hillsong music. I mean, they'll, they'll push new frontiers in yeah. genres yeah. and saying we'll slow everything down and make moody yeah. Christian music. And it works. There's yeah. something about it. I'm like, this was like empires felt right. For yeah, that yeah, project, yeah. 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 So. But it's, it's changed now. It's, it's evolved changed. a little it's bit. Yep. It's, it's evolved into the nothing ordinary rap, which it's I don't true. know how that goes. How does that go? Uh, with the, uh, uh, <laughs> yes. I got Please. this little light of mine. I'm about to let it shine. Hold up. Wait. Let it shine. I'm about to let it shine. Uh, bad and bougie. Never thought that he would use me. Never thought that he would choose me. Now I live every day like it's a movie. Hey, lights, camera, action, go. Oh, wait. They didn't know. Nothing ordinary. About to ordinary. People chose. I don't have time for the game. I hit play and I say what I know. We get away for a day, then come back to the place in the end that he told us to go. Plus, I make good with the lowest the low. Tell him we royal and worthy of mo. We can do all that he called us to do if we truly believe what he called us to sow. Hold up the phone. Used to be ratchet, did nothing on accident. Now I tell people the reason I tackled a difficult topic of living immaculate isn't for me, but for giving it back to the rich. Woo! Hey, oh, now. Hey. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> What he said. Exactly what he said. Hey, Sojo, thank you so much for being in here. I think we just had an awesome conversation that hopefully creates more conversations in, in the churches of the people who are listening. So thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Well, that was absolutely incredible. You did such a great job of asking, uh, bringing questions, Ashbo. Listen, I've been looking forward to this <laughs> interview airing because I hope everyone listening is so challenged mm. by that conversation. Yeah, same. Is there anything specific that stood out to you? Man, I wonder how many people for the very first time learned that hip hop has officially replaced rock and roll as the dominant genre of music in the world. I know. That That's, was a big thing. Oh, my dad, when I told him that, he like didn't, he wasn't happy. <laughs> he like didn't believe me. I was like, Actually, that's the response of a lot of churches. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Have you noticed that a lot of churches still play essentially rock music as part of their worship set? You know, it feels like there are so many areas we're behind in yeah. as the church. Like even look at social media. Like the people who mostly use social media are churches and yeah. ministries. Yeah. And we're like, I feel like sometimes, I mean, you could probably speak best to this. You're the social media pastor. Yeah. So what is your view of how behind churches are when it comes to social media? Yeah, well, I, I think social media is really a thumbnail of how far the church is often behind culturally, right? Because we're still posting stuff that was relevant three, four, five years ago. Right. Uh, we're posting it today and I really think we need to step up our game in this area and stop inviting people to events on social media and start inviting people to conversations. That's where we can change some of the relevancy. I love that. That's great. Well, the same thing, you know, for music is, I mean, especially with culture changing so quickly, Mm. like eventually hip hop isn't going to be the number one genre. Something else is going to be, and we don't even know what kind of music that is yet. And I feel like by the time we're comfortable 
yeah. or or the the generation who's comfortable is old enough to make decisions in the church, yeah. <laughs> then all of a sudden hip hop becomes what we start leaning into in yeah. the church. But by that time, it's too late because it's changing again. Because it's something else again. And I mean, the, the tension is real. Like there I are totally churches agree. with people who are older than millennials who yeah. aren't comfortable with that kind of music, understandably. Yeah. But the the church leadership has to find a common ground yeah, totally. because the older people are the ones who are tithing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not yeah, the yeah. young generation. Yeah. I've actually heard Andy Stanley say something to the effect of if he if he doesn't like the style of music that's being played during worship, then we're probably doing it right. Ooh, it's because good. it's aiming the worship, aiming the church culture at the next generation, not the current generation. I absolutely so love that. Hey, so I've been teasing that we've got a really big announcement to make. So I just want to make that now. So for each week for the past 67 weeks, we've been sharing ideas and conversations to hopefully help you influence the next generation. And over that time, we've heard stories from leaders being inspired and empowered by hearing from amazing speakers and communicators and thought leaders with collectively hundreds of years of experience in ministry. But here's the thing, our team at Orange has also launched more than just this podcast, right, Ash? Yeah, we have within the last, what, year or so, yeah, yeah. we've launched the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast where we have a panel, like it's a roundtable discussion about culturally relevant topics for youth pastors yeah, and which, youth workers. which you're on. Yes, I am, yeah, and I love it. Because it's so you're fun. a culturally relevant thought leader. <laughs> well, you know, I'm learning. We've we'll also got we've also got the Married People podcast with Ted Lowe, which is uh, just an incredible... I actually had the opportunity to be interviewed by them just last week. So that is a great podcast as well. And a podcast that's existed for probably the longest of all these is the Parent Q podcast. Which is a brilliant podcast. It is. It, I think that if you aren't listening to that and you are a parent, or even if you're not a parent. Like yeah. for me personally, as a youth worker, it helps me understand how to relate to parents better yeah. and also what advice to give to parents when they're asking me about some of those very topics. Totally agree. It is a great way for churches to engage parents throughout the week. Now, here's the thing. All of these podcasts means there is a lot of content for you to keep up with. So starting next week, August 7th, we're moving this podcast to a bi-weekly format, which means you'll be hearing from Ashbo and myself every other week. I mean, you'll be hearing from me every week. Oh, yes, because you've got podcasts. the other podcast. <laughs> hey, I've been interviewed by Parent Q and by the Married People podcast, so you might be hearing from me every week as well. But we're actually just moving this podcast to a bi-weekly format. You'll be hearing from us every other week. And this just gives Ashbo and I a chance to, you know, really delve through our archives and find some of the best, most relevant content that you could possibly get. We really have more great conversations and ideas coming your way. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast. This is the thing we want you to do most because by subscribing, that means you never miss an episode. You never miss an opportunity for us to do a funny intro, for Ash to sing a crazy song, for her to tell us stories about what happens in the Starbucks at the Atlanta airport, things like that. So make sure you absolutely smash that subscribe button. Do it right now so that you never miss an episode, okay? And we also want you to smash, as Dave <laughs> says, smash the subscribe button on the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast, the Married People's podcast, and the Parent Q Live podcast. Yeah, there's a lot of smashing going on. Uh, I don't know if your phone can handle it. I don't know if your phone can handle all the great content that we're putting out, but make sure you hit that subscribe button anyway. Also, we would love it if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts and please 
check out our show notes. The show notes is where we provide a lot of extra information. It's kind of like the behind the scenes or the making of, uh, you know, when you're watching a movie on like iTunes and you watch the extras part, the show notes is our extras part. So make sure you check that out at thinkorangepodcast.com. And also in the show notes, we write out some of the quotes that the people we interview have said that are going to make you look really good if you you post (laughs) them and share them on your social media and increase your influence in your community. Yeah, totally. And don't even ascribe them to us. Just take them and claim them as your own. We'd love it if you would point people back to the podcast, but don't (laughs) say that somebody said it. Say that you said it and just take credit for it. That's totally okay. Hey, make sure you share this with a friend as well because it just helps build our friend of the pod community, which is what we really want to do. Hey, so we will see you in two weeks. And here's what we want you to do in the off week. We want you to find five minutes where you can sit down by yourself, maybe with a notebook and pen and just start dreaming about what it would be like to influence the next generation. And as you do that, remember, when you think next generation, think orange. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com. 